You're listening to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast with Carol Joy Side. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. As parents, we often wonder how to best prepare our kids for real life. They won't always be under our roof, so how do we give them the tools and courage they need to go out into the world in strength? One of the key ways we have seen kids develop incredible fortitude and spiritual depth is through outdoor experiences. Our friends at the Coldwater Foundation provide wilderness journeys for kids 12 and up. And in this episode from the archives, Carol talks with Kevin Sutton, co-founder of Coldwater, about the ways wilderness experiences help prepare kids for real life. Listen in. I am up here in Grand Marais area of Minnesota on Mink Lake with uh, our family's friend Kevin Sutton. And Kevin and his wife Jen uh, and our family go way, way back and we're going to tell you a little bit about their story and about the honey, I'm sorry, not honey rock, but the cold water um, the cold water story and it started at Honey Rock, so I got ahead of myself. But welcome, Kevin. Yeah, thank you. It's so good to be here and and uh, with you and to have to have you up here. Uh, finally, actually, after several years of of your uh, families, you know, coming uh, here and and being involved in our programs, it feels like this is uh, this has been a long time uh, coming, and uh, it's great to have you here in person and and on the property and and seeing firsthand you know, what the, what the ministry is. And, and I just, you know, I think I, I would want to start off our conversation by saying, uh, thank you to, uh, you for, uh, you know, encouraging, uh, your families to, to be a part of this. And, and that's, that's played a big role in, as we grow and develop as a young ministry. So, um, it's great to have you here and, and it's, uh, it's great to be sitting down to a conversation with you. I have enjoyed this so much. So when you say my families, you don't mean my blood family, although my blood family is here right now as well, one of my grandchildren, but you mean the families that I've been consulting with over the years. Right, the, the homeschool families that, that and, and getting to know those parents has been, has been really, uh, I mean, the conversations that we have held with uh, families that are homeschooling uh, have really gotten right to the heart of uh, what our educational goals are. Those those parents uh, are are you know keen to dig deep and uh, conversations about experiential learning, about whole life uh, faith, uh, about spiritual formation being integrated with the ways that we uh, learn and uh, and therefore the ways that we teach. Uh, in community, um, I mean the the conversations have been have been rich, and uh, and you can see it in the kids too. You can see they're, I mean they are an enthusiastic bunch of young people, uh, and whether they are you know here on service team and and involved in that five week program, which which is you know them doing actually a lot of physical. Uh, work and building and getting to know one another or whether they are traveling right now through the wilderness uh, as we have I think we have probably 34 people out right now uh, on trip going through the wilderness in the boundary waters getting to know one another and facing challenges Um, 
they're uh, they're an enthusiastic group, so they've been a real joy to serve. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, so 34 people going through the wilderness, but they're not together. So explain kind of how the groups are set up, because we've got um, how many separate groups going? Yeah, so that's a great question. We have four groups out right now. We divide um, all of our campers into small brigades or small small uh, groups. Mm-hmm teams um the most that we can take into the boundary waters is nine people so with every group that's out we have two of our leaders and then seven students uh so that's that forms a a group and uh they're divided also into age groups you know i think right now we have we have some 10 to 12 year olds that are out and we have some 12 to 14 year olds that are out roughly so and we have a boys uh, group of students out and we have a girls group of students that are out mm-hmm. so um, so they're divided up uh, for other reasons also um, <laughs> and give us a little bit of an understanding of what takes place in this group this isn't just your average girl scout boy scout camp what's going on out there yeah so I think what I, maybe to start um, I'll talk a little bit about our leaders because uh, they are the heart and soul of the cold water ministry. Um, college uh, students and upperclassmen, some of them are graduates, um, have come. They came weeks ago to begin training. They've been in training for about six or seven weeks. Uh, they spend uh, three weeks about doing uh, a wilderness trip that is wilderness leadership expedition they're out uh, they begin at camp here they did about five and a half days of backpacking and about 12 days of paddling they do a solo experience they do a run-in at the end they finish that they're learning um they're learning about themselves they're learning uh to pay attention to what the lord is doing in their lives uh, they're learning uh to express the ways that they would like to be together as as a as a community as a group uh, they're they're facing uh, challenge the, the really the same challenge that everyone faces when you go into the wilderness um, challenge of wind challenge of rain of heat or cold challenge right now of uh, bugs out in the wilderness mm-hmm. um, challenge inherent uh, with navigational um, uh, problems um, setting up shelter making your own food um, setting up shelter. What do you mean by that? Setting up shelter. Yeah. So, so the Boundary Waters is is a, a wilderness area. There's no man-made buildings or anything there. So you're you're camping outside using using a tarp or a tent. You're sleeping on the ground. Um, you're making shelter with what you uh, have with you. Um, our our groups use a flat tarp that has uh, you know webbing on the corners that you can pull from with cord. Students uh, learn uh, knots uh, and a method of tying those shelters. There's also a bug net that gets hung beneath that tarp that protects them from insects. Um, and they set that up, you know, together and they make they make camp for the night. And then, uh, you know, they prepare their food and they often will look back at the day and ask what happened in the day, what did we see in our team? What did we see in each other? Uh, they'll have a conversation with each other ab- about those things. Each of them really 
trying to learn, trying to figure out their place and, and figure out how to, how to grow. They'll sleep that night at that campsite, and then their leaders in the morning will, uh, will give them another destination, and they will uh, begin again. So, yeah, it's a good, you know, it's, there's, there's a rhythm to that that takes place that I think is not only true about just what is normal in traveling through wilderness, but I think there's a rhythm behind that that's inherent in, in uh, what happens to us in life. Mm. A quest, a journey. That's kind of found in several pieces of literature. Yes, even the Gospel of Mark is really all about kind of a quest. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So as, these, as you're describing this, Kevin, what I'm hearing is they're doing this. They're doing that. Um, I went to camp where the counselors did all these things. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. And, and, uh, and that's not the case with this. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to give, give experiences to people uh, that will be real for them. And, and part of experience is just facing problems mm. and solving those, those problems. So we have this thing that we talk about with our leaders that we want them to really protect the problems for their, for their students to solve. And, and not, not so much the problems that are artificial, but I'm talking about the problems that are real, either generated because of the circumstances that that they're in that just wind just comes and it happens and it creates a problem and then and then we work to overcome that or respond to that Um, and then also of course the problems that are a result of our choices and and then and then reacting to that and and uh, and making a correction or an adjustment uh, because of that so we um we had we had um i think it was a few days ago when the group first arrived you know there was a group of girls that were preparing for their trip and what we do here is they do a canoe over canoe rescue they practice so if someone capsizes their canoe on a lake in the wilderness then the group all paddles toward them and there's a method to right that canoe, to empty it of water, to get packs on board. And, and you can imagine how difficult that is when it's windy um, and, and cold. And, and, yep, and, there's, and it's wavy and it's cold and there's, there's some chaos. And so they were doing that exercise and uh, their leaders were, were holding them to complete it because if that happened in, in the back country, then that's what you would do. You wouldn't leave each other behind. You know, you would, wouldn't be able to quit, quit the activity because it was, it was windy. You'd have to follow through. So they held them to, to complete it. And in the process, they got blown down the lake and ended up taking their canoes out of the water uh, further away from the camp. And then they they carried those canoes. They portaged those canoes back to camp. And they didn't know that that was going to happen, but that was sort of a natural result of it. And, and, uh, and, and the leaders were thinking, okay, well, what's a problem? That's, you know, how, how do we protect that problem for our students? Well, we won't bail them out, you know, sure. we'll, we'll, but we'll do it with them. And that's true of, of how we think, you know, we're in it with you. 
um, but but this is your problem too. So, um, yeah. And this phrase, protect. Say it again. Protect protecting the problems for for your students. So it, it and it because it's easy as a leader of younger people to just do it for them to tell them which way to go rather than give them space to discover and choose which way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, I mean, that could be more, that could be inconvenient, right? Like if, if you know that you're supposed to, you know, paddle in, in a very clear direction that you see, but your student decides, you know, they decide that it's a different direction you might still allow them to mm-hmm. to paddle that direction and 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 prompt them to to discover you know uh the outcome you know of the choice that they've made mm-hmm. uh, but you're allowing the the weight of responsibility to fall on them and but you're supporting them you're not you're not abandoning you're not abandoning them you're <laughs> working with them but i think it's that that value of discovery as an educational value that that turns um, uh, just an activity into a memorable uh, educational moment Mm -hmm. that has lifelong outcomes for us. Uh, And we're doing that all the time out there. You know, students are coming up against crux moments where they're forced to come up against the limit and then move beyond it. Calling all 16 to 18 year olds. If you want to experience Coldwater Foundation in 2024, I'm happy to tell you they still have a few open spots on their trips for older kids. You can visit their website at coldwaterfoundation.org to learn more about their programs. You can even call someone at Coldwater to learn more and ask any questions you might have. Visit coldwaterfoundation.org today. Now back to the show. So yesterday, as as we were talking with your sweet wife, Jen, and, and you and I, we were talking about this phrase that you taught me yesterday, from order to chaos or disorder to reorder. And you said that that was the rhythm of experiential learning. So what is what is that all about? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a rhythm of life. Like, I think we we want to be in, I guess, stasis, or we want to be just in balance, and we want things taken care of. We don't want to feel uncomfortable. Um, we don't want to feel discomfort. We want things to go smoothly. We want things to be convenient. And so we order the world around us to be like that. And it always gets interrupted. (laughs) Something always happens that uh, interrupts our our ordered world. And then we're forced to respond. And in, in these wilderness programs, that's a rhythm for sure. You know, even from day one, students come uh, from a world that is familiar to them. Mm -hmm. They come from their home where they know what they have, they know where their phone is, they know where they can get food, they know what that food is. 
they know what their schedule is when their family is coming and going from the home. They know what time the TV show is or uh, how to get a hold of their friends. And then they leave all that and they, they literally leave everything and they drive outside of a service area where they can no longer get contact with their phone and suddenly they're in a world that they don't know. It's not familiar and they don't know what the rules are. That's what I mean by disorder. And, and it, it, maybe it even feels a little bit like chaos when you add to that various new characters that have just walked into their life <laughs> and are strangers right. and now they're sharing a tent mm -hmm. with them or the variety of food. Our food system doesn't look like the food that's in your refrigerator. Right. Um, I mean, it's healthy and nutritious and can be prepared very well. And we eat really, really good food. But because of the nature of wilderness travel, travel we you know the food looks different. It's not what is normal to them. Mm -hmm. And you know they're no longer sleeping in their bedroom. With, uh, with a light switch and a closet full of clothes and all of those, those things that, they've, that are normal. Um, they have only what they brought with them, um, what they've carried. And so it's, it's actually, you know, total chaos you know, for them. <laughs> Some of them away from home for the very first time. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean visible chaos, mm -hmm. although sometimes it is that. Um, I think we pride ourselves in, in trying to keep an orderly camp and, and the cabins are orderly and a, and a good clean camp is, is something that we expect. But interiorly, yes. inwardly, yes. Uh, they, are in, they are in chaos. You know, yes. they don't know. They're looking for signs of how do I get back into balance? Mm -hmm. uh, how do I how do I regain some familiarity? Mm -hmm. And it's that, it's that kind of seeking, um, to re to regain balance that sends a student looking for answers, asking questions, uh, cooperating in an effort, you know, to, uh, get things back, you know, into, into order again. And, and so things are reordered, mm -hmm. you know, uh, order, disorder, reorder. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really believe in that, in that as being like necessary for growth, mm -hmm. necessary for, for us to learn and, and grow, uh, uh, from the experiences that we're facing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and what about the faith piece in this? Cause I've, I've, as we've been talking the past few days, there's a lot that this is all based really on a faith journey for these kids. Yeah, right. And, and, and that's, that's where that, that's part of that, you know, um, you know, what holds us together. It's really, you're asking, what do I value? Mm -hmm. You know, what do I look for when things aren't the way that they should be? What order is present in the universe that will help me? And we know that God, God created, he brought order out of chaos. Mm -hmm. That's what he, that's what he did. And that's who he is. Mm -hmm. And so there's a pattern there to this that, that is, is really helpful. And, and, uh, and just, I mean, in the same way, you know, God, uh, did not abandon us. 
to figure it out, um, he promises that he will be with us. Mm. You know, he promises that he will be close. He promises that he will take the burdens that we have and he invites us to place our burdens on him. Uh, so, you know, he, he's made the, the universe to be ordered um, and uh, allows us to, to, you know, seek him with, within it. So I think, and I think even just, you know, uh, like how is, how is this, how does this become formational? And I think for people, not just young people, but all people, there's, there's um, a need for us to deepen the, the kind of trust that we place in a living and loving God, not, not just as an idea, <laughs> but as a, a living hope for us. And there's no way to deepen trust or to deepen faith without the process of exp experiencing what it feels like to have to fully depend on our faith to depend on God when we can no longer do it ourselves. And yes. I think we talked a little bit about that analogy of that like works. someone who's on a, on a, a rock mm -hmm. and they're on the edge of a cliff and they're having to step back. Mm -hmm. So they're stepping and they're tied into a rope with a harness and it's a hundred percent like secure and dependable. And they have to step back until they're no longer standing on their own weight. All of their body weight is on that rope. And the feeling of doing that is fear. Even for people that have done that over and over and over again, there's that just that little bit of fear that comes, which is really a question. Can I depend on this rope? And can I depend and trust in the people that are holding it? Yes. And um, that feeling of fear is so close to that feeling of, of placing our faith and our trust in God when we don't know what the answers are. If he's reliable. Yeah, if he's reliable. And I don't think that we, we in our insulated lives, um, lives where everything is familiar and convenient, and easy to get to where many of the problems have been taken away, I don't think that we can under really understand, we can't exercise that faith. Yes. So Because so it stretches us. It, it, it's, yeah, it stretches us. And, you know, so when students go into the wilderness, they go into a place that they don't know about and they're fearful of the unforeseen. They don't know what's around the, the next corner. They don't know what to expect. They have opportunity to trust, mm -hmm. to trust that that God is with them and will provide for them, and will watch over them. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, Kevin, like <clears throat> just to comfort the parents who are just going, "Oh my word, I'm going to go lay down now. I'm freaking out." That like last night, as Jen and I were having tea together. Her, her phone kept going beep, and it was another group calling in saying, we're okay, another group, beep, we're okay, everything's good, mm -hmm. and each of the groups called in. Mm -hmm. 
And I wasn't aware that, you know, you had this little system, even though our phones don't work out here. Yeah. How, how do you do that? And the way that you keep um, available to the teams, they're never out of your care as, as leaders. Right. I mean, I think the broader the broader question is is one of being in the outdoor industry and being a program that is really interested in the best practices of of outdoor leadership. And um, there there's there are standards. There is there is a system that we utilize uh, to you know not only to have contact uh, for a leader when they need to but but to prepare uh, for trips, to prepare uh, by having a plan, uh, to prepare with, with training, to prepare with, um, you know, really studying your route and knowing if something goes wrong, uh, where would you go? You know, what is your, what is your evacuation plan? To prepare with having a, a working knowledge of medical issues that are in the, in the group, uh, by having um, all of our leaders have uh, wilderness first responder um, training, which is an eight eight day, eight to ten day wilderness first aid course taught, taught by a wilderness medical school. Um, they have that certification. They uh, they take part in many many conversations around the topic of of risk management, and they prepare for it. So within that, you know, one element of that is communication and uh, doing our job to make sure that, that uh, the risk that we are uh, giving our students is largely perceived uh, risk mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. and, and the actual risk are, are things that we sort of expect. And that's not to say that there's not actual risk because of course there is. Right. It's actual wilderness. Right. I mean. Yeah, it's not Disneyland. It's, it, right, the wind is, is real, real and, and, and right. the hot sun is real. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we have rain to, and... Yeah, we have to respond to it. And, and so when, when a 12-year-old goes through the wilderness and goes, you know, through a storm or through darkness or, or whatever, that, that's the very same thing as, as a seasoned wilderness person going through it and um you know we we are prepared and we respond um and we we minimize risk mm -hmm. you know everywhere we can um but it's still a big but, part of the experience yeah oh yeah mm -hmm. yeah you haven't sanitized the experience no 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 we haven't and and that's that's uh that's a good thing that's that's a good thing to that's... to step into that and amen amen for sure Thank you for joining us this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. I'm Rachel Winchester. And before you go, I wanted to let you know that Coldwater still has some openings in their trips for older students ages 16 through 18. To learn more, you can visit their website, coldwaterfoundation.org. If you liked what you heard in this episode, we'd love for you to take a minute to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or if you just want to share it with a friend, that helps too. Be sure to join us next time as we help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings!